I wish I knew how to start this. <laughs> God, I hate being put on the spot to do uh, just like starting an episode proper because usually someone has some witty story or, you know, some sort of question to start off with. But um, I am a hack and a fraud, so I never know how to start an episode proper. So I guess this is me monologuing a start to an episode where I'm meta about it. Woohoo, meta humor. Isn't that the best kind of humor? That's something. Yeah. Um, so that voice uh, you might have heard is not anyone that you've heard before. So um, because of just life getting in the way of everyone, um, I technically would be doing this solo. But instead, I want to include my wife, my recently married wife, uh, Destiny. So before I even say anything else, because I didn't even get into the actual episode itself, uh, welcome to the Disinformed Podcast. I am Michael. And we have a guest, because she is not usually on the podcast, and if this is your first time listening, I am incredibly sorry, this is my wife, Destiny. Say hello, Destiny. Hello, I am Destiny, the wife. Cool. And that's all the intro that we need. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so everyone else is either sick, has quit the show, or, you know, some other fun stuff, but you know what? I, I won't let this thing die. It's on life support, and I'm just trying to shock it back into life. So we'll see how that goes. Um, maybe by the time you've seen this, you've also might have noticed on the on the uh, YouTubes that uh, there might be a like a live stream or something like that, um, which we might try and do in our spare time. Because what else are we gonna do? Um, as for this actual show itself, what we typically do here is we present a random esoteric topic for you, Destiny. Esoteric means you know not necessarily well known. I know, yeah, give me the look all you want. I'm kidding. I'm being a little shit. Um, but we present some random esoteric topic, and in the process of doing so, we add in a couple of lies, try and make things interesting. Instead of it turning into just a lecture, we want it to make it a little bit more engaging for the other co-hosts so they don't fall asleep in the middle of class, because we all know that we don't take notes here. We're not in school. And so at the end, uh, you will call out the lies as, as I say them, as you feel they are. It's okay if you do uh, call them correctly. It's okay if you don't. Um, at the end of the episode... Just so people aren't left on the hook with all the lies that might have been in the episode, uh, we explain them. Just so we can all leave with a happy message of, uh, you know, disinformation and all that stuff that everyone deals with in the fake news. Alright, sorry, I almost got a little too political TM there. Okay, so we're going to go right into my script. We typically, just in your uh, just for you, Destiny, we uh, will usually say how many lies there are at the beginning, just so you kind of know how many to shoot for. Um, and you could be as slap happy as you want. If anything even sounds the slightest bit um, like like a lie or something like that, then go ahead and do it. And you can ask questions as best as uh, ask questions, and I will try and answer them as best as I can. Um, today we're going to be talking about the War of the Bucket, which is exactly what you think it is. Okay, and I know, uh, and you can even tell the audience how much knowledge do you have of medieval Italian city states. Negative a million. Exactly. Um, so this will be fun. But before you get all self-conscious, let me tell you that anytime Shane would present a topic I'd know nothing about, uh, anytime I present a topic, Shane would know nothing about it. No one knows anything about anything. And that's why we kind of make it a little more edutainment instead of educational and or comedic. Also because I don't have a single comedic bone in my body. So there's that. One Yeah. So... I'll admit this script is a bit on the older side. Uh, I wrote this probably a year and a half ago, but never used it because I thought it was too short. However, given present circumstances, uh, I feel like this would be a perfect episode to throw together at the last minute because a lot of things were canceled at the last minute. 
Now, I don't want to get too political, trademark, uh, TM, but I think we can all agree that the Russian invasion of Ukraine, of the Ukraine, the, no, just Ukraine. I don't know why it, it's not the, well, I guess it is the United Kingdom, but it's not the France, right? The Germany. So that actually is something I would like to look into. Anyway, sidetracking, already sidetracking. It's too early in the morning, too early. (laughs) I mean, it is, it's still the morning for another 12 minutes uh, as of recording. So there's that. Okay. Anyway, I think we can all agree that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is is one of history's least justified wars. Sorry, not a war, special military operation, because that's what they called it when they first invaded. Um, it's okay, Destiny, you can laugh. That was a joke. Oh. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there we Sorry. go. See, you're already on it. You're, you're, a perfect, you're a perfect guest host. Thankfully, not all wars are like Russia's invasion. So, some are super justified, very warranted causes for aggression. Let me set the scene for what I think is one of the most justified wars in human history. That's also partially sarcasm. I don't think war is justified in any sense. Whatever. Not going, not, yeah, exactly. Picture this, okay? You're a city guard of the famous Italian city-state Bologna. Not home of the famous Bologna deli meat. Surprisingly so. And you absolutely hate the ever-loving fuck out of the neighboring city-state of Modena. Or, yeah, Modena. Standing near one of the city gates, you also guard one of the very few water wells of the city, placed right next to the gate. Your shift is about to end, and as a precaution, you typically bring the bucket used to retrieve water inside. The peasants outside the wall don't appreciate it much, but it's the only bucket for the well, and you'd rather not it be you'd rather it not be stolen. But tonight, as the sun sets and you start to close the gates, you decide to leave the bucket there. It's been unusually dry as of late, and you don't want any peasants to go thirsty. You shut the gate and head home to do what the average medieval person did back in the age. Die of dysentery. You wake up the next day. That was also a joke, by the way. Oh, I told you I wasn't going to be able to laugh at any of your jokes. Uh, yeah. Um, you wake up the next day, surprisingly not dead of the Black Plague, and head out to open the gate. As you open up, you immediately notice the bucket is gone. Who the fuck stole the only fucking bucket? That was a lot of fucks. Um, you ask nearby peasants if... They saw anything last night, and one says they saw what they thought were Modenese soldiers grabbing the bucket and running away. Of course it was Modena. They've been your your city's rivals for as long as you can remember. You race back to the barracks to inform the rest of the city guard and learn the rest of the story. Modena had indeed stolen the bucket and was now displaying it in their city for all to see, having it filled with Bolognese, Bolognese, I don't know, your city's loot, on the way back to Modena. Those in charge of Bologna debated about what to do for a record-setting time of five minutes, incredibly yet less than usual, given Italians and their absolute love of arguing and gesturing. That was also a joke. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll do a version of this where I I tell jokes and you have to catch if it's a joke or not. Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm like the most gullible person, so I'm freaking out right now. Oh, man. As is. Let's go. so, five minutes, uh, those, that's how long they needed to debate. War was the answer. The only answer for the crime of stealing their only bucket, and also for ransacking their, their way back to their city-state, but mostly the bucket, mostly. Uh, the leaders of Bologna went to the Pope, because this was the medieval era, everyone was Catholic, uh, giving their casus belli, I think that's how you pronounce it, it's Latin, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sure, it's Latin for occasion for war, as the theft of their bucket. 
Pope John XII accepted the Casus Belli, and with his blessing, Bologna declared war on Modena, and the War of the Bucket began in earnest. Now, sources disagree when the bucket was, uh, where the bucket was located. Some say it was in the center of town, while others say it was found just outside the city gates. But they do agree that the missing bucket was originally found by a city guard. Regardless of wherever the bucket was, its theft was Bologna's Casus Belli. For those who aren't history buffs, Destiny included, let me explain what a Casus Belli is. For most of human history, a Casus Belli was used as a justification for going to war to those around them. It was like, hey world, I'm invading this country because they control some land that is supposed to be mine. It gives the war a, a more of a sense of legitimacy, making those giving their lives for the liege less likely to revolt, right? If, if your king or your overlord is saying is something like, go throw yourselves at, these, uh, at this castle to try and take it for my own benefit, right? You'd be a lot less likely to do it than like, say, they stole some of our precious supplies or this castle once was ours and we were all benefiting from it, but they took it from us. So we need to grab it back, right? It, it gives it a sense of, like, okay, validity as well, right? Um, even modern day wars, when they are declared, which is important, uh, use Casus Belli's. That was why Hitler had used a false flag attack by Polish, air quotes Polish, soldiers on German soil as a justification to go to war with Poland. This actually did occur. And as far as I'm aware, because again, like I said, when I wrote this episode, it was a while ago, so I can't verify it for certain. But he did give a Casus Belli. That was the Casus Belli, was that Poland actually struck first by doing an attack on German soil. And so they were retaliating for it. Um, and then also uh, Britain and France declared war on Germany in response. And their Casus Belli was defending their ally, Poland. But, uh, essentially, yes. Uh, by claiming Poland had attacked first and that was a defensive war, Germ the German people were more likely to support the war, Right. Um, another example, uh, just to go more medieval, was the First Crusade. In Pope Urban II's eyes, the Christian people of the Holy Land, the Levant, the Middle East, uh, Jerusalem, uh, and the Christian Byzantine Empire as well, were under threat by the Islamic countries who, who controlled them or were fighting them. Granted, the Islamic countries didn't recognize the Casus Belli, most understandably so, because they were getting invaded for essentially no reason, uh, at least the countries that were part of the initial invasion. There were some defensive things, but I'm getting too much in the reads. Simplifying it extensively, because this is history and we always have to simplify things. Um, the First Crusade, the Casas Valley was retaking the Holy Land from the heretics, from the Islamists. Okay. Uh, again, not to get too political trademark. Um, this, the lack of Casas Belli is one of the main reasons Russian, Russia's invasion was initially declared or decided to be a special military operation. Declaring it a war would escalate what would already be considered a tense conflict. Uh, without, any cause of, without any cause for the conflict, the war would not have an adequate casus belli and wouldn't be considered a legitimate cause for invasion, and the civilian population would have been much more up in arms over a war than the special mili a military operation that was sold to them. Right? If we're just in and out five minutes, you know, great adventure... That's a lot less, that's a lot more likely that people would be like, okay, you know, if they're just doing something to get rid of some fascist battalion within the army ranks in Ukraine, that's a lot better than we're just going to take the whole country and make it ours and russify it, right? That's a lot less people are willing to be like, yeah, you know what, let's conquer these people, right? Um, and that doesn't mean the way it actually occurred is legitimate either. 
Um, but the Russian people are kept in the dark more so with the special military operation instead of a declaration. Uh, declaration, I said decoration in the script. A declaration of war. Uh, this is also why there's been so much informational censorship within Russia, as it would have caused much more uproar in the first few weeks of the war. But now that the war has been drawing, drawing on a long time, it becomes a lot more like people are uh, questioning the validity of it. Is this really a special military operation, given that they've taken cities and these cities have declared their allegiance to Russia when the whole idea of the special military operation was to try and remove fascistic or Nazi elements in the Ukrainian military? Because that was the original reason for the operation. At least that was what was told, the official reason. Um, before we cover the actual War of the Bucket, it helps to give some backstory as to why the cities of Blagna and Modena were willing to go to war over a bucket. In 1325, northern Italy was divided into small city-states, essentially countries centered on one major city. That's yeah, City-state is pretty descriptive. Uh, these city-states were powerful in their own right, but there were two major powers doing their best to co exert control over the region. To the north was the massive Holy Roman Empire, and to the south was the Pope. These powerful states could not control the various city-states uh, directly, but they could influence them through their protection. For example, if the Pope was encroaching on a city-state's lands, said city-state could go to the Holy Roman Emperor, who would guarantee the city-state's independence by going to war with the Pope if he took the lands for himself. It's pretty much kind of like you could even think about of the Cold War where you had the United States and you had the USSR. We would never conquer. We didn't try and conquer Vietnam, but we were trying to install their own. We were trying to guarantee protection over them and install their own things. They might have been puppets to us. They might have favored us, you know, let us do some imperialism and all that other stuff. But we never had direct control. These influencers, jeez, I don't know why I wrote that. These influencers split, sorry, I, I say influencers and I think social media, so now I'm just picturing, like, Twitter is taking over the city-state of Modena, and then you got, like, Facebook or something taking over, yeah, whatever. Um, these influencers split northern Italy into factions. The Guelphs, and this is also, I believe, in Italian, so I'm trying to pronounce them as best I can, but I can't even pronounce English right, so we'll go with that. The, the Guelphs, who sought the loyalty of the Pope, and the Gibellines, Gibellines, uh, who believed their their lands under the rightful protection of the Holy Roman Emperor. Bologna pledged to be a Guelph city and used their newfound connections with the Pope against their rival Modena, a uh, Gibelline city. In 19, or I'm sorry, ooh, dyslexia strikes. In 1296, about 30 years before the War of the Bucket, Bologna seized the small border towns of Athens and Istanbul from Modena, with Pope Boniface VIII confirming Bologna's ownership later that year. In response, the Marquis of Ferrara, who controlled Modena at the time, confronted Bologna in tiny border skirmishes to bolster his failing popularity in Modena. His successor also continued this warlike uh, policy, eventually leading to a different pope, Pope John XII, uh, to declare the successor of the Marquis of Ferrara, a rebel against the church, and granted indulgences to anyone who would who could harm the guy or his possessions. Indulgences were pretty much like a get-out-of-hell free card, or, essentially. Um, these indulgences were equal to those granted to crusaders, you know, those who traveled to the Middle East to fight for the Holy Land. That is a big deal, considering how religiously important the crusades were in the eyes of Christians at the time. 
In the months leading up to the War of the Bucket, the Bolognese entered Modenese territory and laid waste to some important farmland, to which the Modenese responded in kind. So yeah, looking up to the uh, looking at the lead up to the war, it seems more believable that the city states would go to war over something as simple and as inconsequential as a bucket, right? They just needed a reason. Everything like the whole you had a whole thing of firewood and a bunch of tinder on it and everything and just just it needs one spark, you know, the one straw that breaks the camel's back. During the bucket theft, Modena also seized the strategic Blognese castle of Montevelligio. I don't think that's how you say it, but we're going with it. Uh, essentially starting the conf- conflict proper. Enraged at the bucket fe- theft and the loss of an important castle, thousands of Blognese peasants answered the call to arms, eventually assembling an army of some 30,000 ill-equipped troops with around 2,000 cavalry, people on horses. Meanwhile, Modena had only gathered about 5,000 foot soldiers and some 2,000 cal- cavalry. However, while Blagna had over four times the troops, Modena had equipment and experience on their side. Their troops were well-equipped and veterans of prior wars. So it's pretty much like you got these military vets that know what the hell they're doing compared to like a mob of angry peasants that their bucket was stolen. On the 15th of November, uh, 1325, the two armies met not too far from the castle of Monte Vilegno, Vegilo, in a place called Zappolino, I should just be saying this was a very stereotypical, semi-partially racist Italian accent. At a place called Zappolino, uh, the, ba- <laughs> the Battle of Zappolino, the only battle of the war, only lasted several hours. Modena sent a smaller force to the flanks, so the edges of the Blognese soldiers, as a distraction, hoping to draw some off from the main Blognese force. Um, so f- for the uh, main... Uh, so essentially, they caused a distraction. Right. Right. So they sent them on the outskirts of the army, trying to draw off more soldiers so that the main Modenese force only had to engage, you know, significantly less. Right. It's a, it's a basic distraction of sorts. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. It worked perfectly as the Blognese were divided and then charged upon, easily losing morale. The Blognese lines broke and troops tried to flee. In all, each side lost about 2,000 soldiers each with a decisive Modenese victory. So when you think about it, Modenese lost a lot of people. They almost lost about a, a, a half of their whole troops, right? Um, whereas the Blognese only lost like 10%, right? Because it was 20,000, or sorry, 30,000. So they lost even less, right? Um, but it broke their morale. And so when when you're a scared peasant that has no military training, it doesn't take much for you to, you know, see, like, I need to get out of here. So they broke ranks and they scattered, running back to the, um, running back to the, their city, right? Uh, so Modena didn't stop there. They chased the fleeing Blognese, uh soldiers all the way back to Blogna itself, destroying six castles along the way. So this escalated really quickly. First it was a bucket, then it was a castle, now it was six castles. Upon arriving at the castle walls of Blogna proper, Modena could have easily taken the city with a long and probably costly siege, but instead organized a uh, pal- palio, palio, palio outside the city walls. What is a palio, you may ask? It was an athletic contest, almost like a smaller type of Olympic Games, but with medieval sports like horse racing, archery, jousting, crossbow shooting, and tennis. Modena gave the reason for holding a palio 
uh, outside the city walls as, I don't know why I'm going to read this, I'm going to attempt to read this as, Ad eternam memoriam praemissorum et eternam bonisium scandalum, or, for those who can't speak really broken and horribly pronounced Latin, to the ex- to the eternal memory of those sent out on the expedition and the eternal shame of blog. So instead of taking the city and wasting their money, they're like, we're going to have some games, you know, celebrating the people that died. Uh, according to some sources, uh, upon completion of the Palio, Modenese uh, forces stole yet another bucket on their way out as a big fuck you. Before you say that Modena was being a sore winner, it quickly organized a peace treaty with Bologna by January of the next year. So only a couple, so a month and a half after. They're already like, let's do peace. Um, the status was, uh, or the terms were status quo. So everything goes back to how it was, right? You get all your castles back that we took, you know, we're all good. We're all gravy. Um, well, it wasn't completely status quo. There was one thing Modena kept, and yes, it was the bucket. While it had, while it obviously had no strategic value, it certainly had symbolic value. And the bucket is still kept to, uh, still kept in Modena to this day. It is said to be kept in a church in Modena, though a replica can be seen at the Modenese City Hall. So, when you hear in the news or on this podcast about uh, some college stealing another college's mascot costume or something similar, be thankful it never led to a war that saw some 4,000 people die. And that, like I said, because it was a short episode, is my episode. Now, before I go over the lies, did you have any questions or did you want to take any stabs at finding out one of these lies? Um, how many lies did you say there were? There were four. Oh, man. And one is, one is pretty big. There were two that I thought were fairly obvious, but also it is difficult to catch very obvious. Uh, whenever I think something is fairly obvious, it usually passes people by. And this isn't just something that I share. Shane also uh, agrees, too, when he thought that he had an easy up, like an easy layup lie, and it just completely misses us. So, I mean, I definitely had some thoughts, but I don't know if I was just trying to create, like, my own truths, <laughs> but... That's a good point to make. Um, as far as the first bucket being stolen, I thought, like... The guard took it and just kind of brought it over there, inciting to war, like betraying his own. Oh, okay, that's actually a good thought. I that could have been a pretty good lie, um, but no, um, the city guard did not um, did not do that. Not the city say, guard was was loyal. Okay. But you are on to something, and so for that, I will give you the lie. Um, none of the sources that I used mention a city guard at all. Um, I use ah. the city guard as a way to introduce the story because, and, and I'm going to include this as well. In fact, our idea of a city guard is kind of anar- anar- anarchist, anar- it's, it's not very set in time, anar- anachronistic, I think. I think that's how you pronounce it. If not, write me in the comments. I couldn't find explicit information on when and if medieval police ex- existed, but city guards of the era were either bodyguards for rich households or were soldiers manning the walls. Well, we presume to be city guards like any time we think of like video games or movies and there's always city guards that help protect the city. That is something that we invented in our modern time that didn't really exist back then. You had bodyguards, you know, for the rich families and stuff like that, which kind of is how the police 
evolved, at least when we get into the um, Industrial Revolution stuff, um, or you had actual soldiers, like part of a garrison that were supposed to protect the city from being captured by external forces. They weren't necessarily policemen wandering the streets looking to you know pick up crime. Typically, crime was either taken care of yourself mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, with your friends and family. There was not really a, a, a specific thing, unless it was something against, like, your liege or something to that effect, where you had to involve... If it was just between two peasants, no one gave a shit. Essentially. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you, you were sniffing around the right place. Okay. Any <laughs> other any other stabs? Um maybe the games. Okay. What about them? So I will read that out. Uh, I will read it back. So once Modina chased them all the way back to Bologna, um, the soldiers had a palio. A palio. Um, where they it was pretty much a smaller Olympic-style games with medieval sports like horse racing, archery, jousting, crossbow shooting, and tennis. Which was all held in Bologna. It was all held outside the city gates. Okay. So while the people inside Bologna were fearing for their lives, fearing that the Modenese soldiers would try and siege the, the castle and try and take it, um, the people outside were just having fun. They were literally like, throwing a party. Kind of as just like, a, we could do it, but we're not going to. It's, it's rubbing salt in the wound, so to speak. It was just the soldiers. They didn't invite anyone inside the city. So they they, they just played by themselves? Yeah. They played would, games by themselves without the... Yeah, they weren't like, here, invite... Like, I guess I guess using the term Olympic Games was a little bit off. I feel like thrown they're competing off. against each other yeah. just randomly. No, it would be like if you had a, a bar fight or something and they chased you into another bar and then they just set up outside and just partied while you were hiding. It's like they're... We're like... We're better than you. We're gonna rub it in your face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think that that happened. It actually did. Okay. They did have that whole, but you are on to something, and that's all I'll say, but they did have these sort of games outside, and, and it was essentially to rub salt. Okay. So the other people still weren't part of it. They were not part of it. Okay. Yeah. What, what's, what, what's the reality there? So, okay, I will, um, if you have any other guesses, we'll go those, because I like oh, okay, to cover okay. all the lies okay. in one, one fell yeah. swoop. Um... Let's see. Um, for their truce, I feel like they wouldn't have gotten anything. So yeah, so you were um, you were right. Like it was essentially status quo, so everything was returned except for that bucket. So right. that was that was true. Everything about the peace treaty was was correct. Okay. Um, there was then no never mind. okay. No, no, it's still good. It's still good to ask. It's not like you're gonna lose points. We don't do points here. Oh, I, I know that. That's... Oh, okay. All right. Um, any other stabs? No. Okay. So, the first slide that I mentioned. Uh, let's see. I want to make sure I have all this going all the way up to the time. So you got the first one. You got the first slide. Almost. It, it, you were close enough that I gave it to you. Um, yeah, there was no city guard. I already explained that. So, the next slide was immediately afterwards. I stated that the bucket, the theft of the bucket, was um, Bologna's Casa Spelli. It was not. Um, A theft of a bucket is not really a good cause for war. It was actually that seizure of the Monte Villeggio castle. That castle, that was what elicited the the Casa Spelli for response. Like, that is what caused Bologna to be like, no, 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 shit's real. It's going down now. 
So that is the second lie that the bucket was the Casas Belli. Um, the next, the next one, the next two are pretty easy lies. Um, though granted when I wrote this, I expected, um, people with a little bit more knowledge of geography to call me out on it. Uh, so I don't know anything about geography. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I mentioned small border, small border towns of Athens and Istanbul. What do you do? Do those, either of those city names ring a bell? They both ring bells. But I think that Athens, if I, if I, so I don't know anything about Greece, or that's what I would say. It's Greece. Yes. <laughs> and then Istanbul, I would Insta- say, in, in whatever. Istanbul. Is, <laughs> sure, is in like Europe. Yes, you are right. <laughs> it is in Europe. It, it, it's not in the country of Europe. It because is. Because that is not a country. Oh, yeah. But you are correct. Continent? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Your blonde is showing. I, <laughs> Shoot. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to guess the country, uh, though it's named after poultry. Turkey. Okay, I was like, chicken? <laughs> yes, the country, the European country of chicken. And then I was like, no, it's pollo. <laughs> oh my god, okay. <laughs> no, it's pollo. The Spanish state Awkward. of pollo. Uh <laughs> Yes, no, both of those cities, yeah, you can do the awkward turtle uh, hand sign, but remember, this is an audio medium, and so uh, listeners cannot cannot hear it. That was the <laughs> No, 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 nothing gets by on, on my watch. So yeah, the two cities of Athens and Istanbul were not small border towns between Modena and Bologna. Um, they are the capitals of Greece and Turkey, respectively, and not tiny Italian towns. Tiny Italian towns, that, thought, that comes but, out, um... that rolls off the tongue. Uh, say that a whole bunch of times fast, right? Tiny Italian towns. Tiny Italian towns. Tiny Italian towns. Tiny Italian towns. All right, that's the best It makes point me feel enough. good. The fact that I'm not stumbling over it makes me feel good. Um, and this is where I now stumble over the words. The actual town names were Bazano and Savigno. So there you go. And then the very last one, the one that I gave you a hint that you were sniffing around correctly, but you weren't close enough that where I was going to give it to you. So yes, the palio did occur. And it did have a bunch of medieval sports. Um, tennis is not a medieval sport. I didn't even hear you say any of that. I said tennis, and I repeat. Oh, man, I, I didn't said hear any of horse them. racing, archery, jousting, crossbow shooting, and tennis. Oh, you know what? I thought you were just like giving me examples of things that might happen in one, not things that actually they did. So this is awkward. Well, even if I gave that as an example, it's still not a medieval sport. So. It would have been a lie, even if I was giving it as badminton? an example. Um, I don't know anything about bad, badminton, but um, surprisingly, tennis might not be as much of a lie as it is thought, uh, or at least a version of tennis called jeu de pomme. It's French, so I I don't even know. Yeah. It translates to game of the palm, which was uh, pretty pretty much tennis played with uh, played by striking the ball with the palm of your hand instead of a racket. So oh. you just smack the ball instead of hitting it with a racket. Um, but I found the concept of using a racket dates back to the early 14th century in Italy, so it might not be surprising if they did play tennis outside wall, uh, the Blognan walls. Unfortunately, I could, got n- I could not find a confirmation of the sport being played in a palio, because this is a thing that people would do. It's their version of, a ta- of games, like the Olympic Games. Uh, so it was still a fabrication. And that is all I have to say about the War of the Bucket. So... As your first time, now that your cherry has been popped, so to speak. <laughs> uh, what do you think? 
how 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 the episode go? Are you um, give a give give feedback questionnaire? So that was interesting. Um, but like you mentioned before, my uh, knowledge on geography is kind of well not there. And uh, <laughs> yes, uh, for for the listeners, so, uh, Europe is not a country; it is a continent. So hey, but I got it. I corrected myself. You did eventually correct yourself without you telling me first. Mm. And you were right. Istanbul is in Europe. It's on the very edge of Europe because it's right across the strait from Asia Minor, which is where Turkey is primarily located. Which, if it's called Asia Minor. Chances are it's in Asia. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But it's across the strait, uh, which separates Asia from Europe in that region, in the mm. Balkans. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting topic. I don't um, enjoy history at all. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, well. I was, I, uh, I did yawn a couple times. But it wasn't because I was bored. It was... Because the topic was boring. That's understandable. Most of my topics Um, are. One day I'll force you to listen to... I I paid attention enough to have some ideas. You know? You did. And uh, to be honest, you had more stabs than I usually do at the end of other episodes that I was not hosting. So... Bravo for you for paying attention even if it wasn't (laughs) something that wasn't... That didn't grab your interest. (sighs) Which, honestly, is par for the course for my episodes sometimes. Um, I, you've heard me talk about the Heavy Water episode plenty of times. And one day I'll make you listen to the two and a half hour debacle that was me explaining a story that would have been better on paper. Or as a, like, I don't know, a movie or something like that. Hmm. Where you can see all the characters instead of me just using their names and talking about their mothers. And violinist and all that other stuff. So, Okay. Um... This is where we would try and do some sort of outro, but like I did last week, I don't really do uh, improv in that case that very well. So this will be a record. I think this will be the shortest episode we've had, but you know what? That's okay. Hopefully uh, Shane is alive and well and can, you know, put in some levity next week um, so that it's not just me grasping at straws and then forcing my wife to sit through an episode where I talk at her about history that she doesn't care about. So... (laughs) <laughs> there's I, that i could try to come up with some nonsense Ooh, oh don't tease me with a good time i i would love to hear you talk about i don't know it's like psychology and stuff like that would be something i mean i know that you guys have done stuff like way early on because that's when i used to listen to your podcast yeah um but maybe not necessarily a psychology topic. oh okay well you've You've intrigued me. I did not expect that you would be like, you know what? I can do some episodes. No, like, you, I'm all for it. remember I thought about it a while ago and I told you about like wanting to do research Damn. about different things and stuff. And I gave you a couple ideas that you mm-hmm. could do when you were stressed out. Ooh, okay. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Um, it, this might not be the last you've seen of, uh, of my wife, of Destiny. Her. Heard, yeah. Thank you. See, you're already you're you're, you're, (laughs) you can't see me, you John Cena. Um, (laughs) uh, but yeah, no, this is uh, this will be this won't be the last you'll hear her uh, beautiful, beautiful voice. So, um, but until (laughs) until then, um, there's socials, I don't maintain them, and the people that have had to step down don't maintain them anymore. So the only thing we really got going for us is shorts. So go on to shorts, uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash 
I, I don't think we have an actual UR that we can URL that we can give, but we have a LinkedIn uh, tree you can find in the show notes that will take you to all of our other socials that we don't use. Engage, just watch my shorts, dive into them. Um, you'll start seeing a lot more of them soon because I have fallen really behind on my shorts. <laughs> we're we're getting about half the shorts that we usually do, so that's exciting. But uh, until then, until next time, um, I almost said stay, stay safe out there, kids. I don't know why. But until next time, uh, I'm Michael. I'm Destiny. And zippity zoop out of here. <laughs>